Let's look at Romans 4, and let's look at these first eight verses. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, discovered in this matter? Here's the matter. Are you saved by obeying the law? By doing what the law says, can you earn salvation? Can you earn righteousness? Can you develop something on your own where you can stand before God and say, look what I did. Here's my track record. I want acceptance with you. That's the question under discussion. And Paul has been spending chapters trying to prove that whether you're Jew or Gentile, you've broken the law. The Jews broke it because they received the law, but they didn't obey it. To receive it and sing about it is one thing. To obey it perfectly is another. They didn't. Well, Gentiles didn't have the law. They didn't receive the teaching of the Torah from uh, Moses, but they have a conscience. And their conscience has condemned them because they've said and done things which God, working through their conscience, has, and the Spirit has said, that's wrong. That's wrong. Even though they had no law to go by, they knew it was wrong and they still did it. So he's trying to get everybody guilty before God so that he can give the beautiful blessing God has for us. So if, in fact, Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. Notice this. What the only plan of salvation God has for us is one that there's no boasting before him. He gets all the glory. We don't do any boasting. How many say aloud, amen? In other words, if you're boasting of who you are and how you've lived, you have totally lost uh, track of what God is doing. You've missed the boat. No boasting before God. God will not let anyone boast. So what does scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Notice, he got a promise from God. He believed that promise, and that faith, that trust that he had, God counted that as if he had obeyed the law. That's so hard for us to understand. We're accepted by God through faith, not through legal obedience. Because if it was by legal obedience, we all should go home, because nobody can be accepted by the works of the law. For all have sinned. Are you with me on this? So you got it. No boasting before God. And now he's saying, well, well, Abraham believed God, and that's back in Genesis, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Now to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. If you go to work and you work 40 hours during the week and you go to get your paycheck, it's not a gift. They have to give it to you. You earned it, but God's not giving anybody anything because they earned it. Oh, Lord, give us understanding, please, God. This is so counterintuitive to the way we've grown up, and even in religion, legalism, if I act good enough, that's what I grew up around. If you live good enough, then God will accept you. If you live bad, then God will reject you, go to hell. But there's something much deeper and wonderful about God's grace So it says here, if you work at something, then God has to pay you. So at the end of your life, you go and you show the hours you put in, your perfect obedience, and then God says, well, that's okay, I pay you. Come on in for eternal life. God's not paying anybody anything. He only gives gifts. He doesn't give paychecks. Come on, can we say amen to that by clapping our hands? 
Some of us, if your background is in legalistic Pentecostalism or legalistic whatever, or the Roman Catholic system, all of that, it's ingrained in us. Do good, get good. If you do bad, whack. But God has something better to show us his love and grace. Here's the verse. However, to the one who does not work, but trust God who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. Is, that, is there any sweeter verse than that in the whole Bible? Listen to it again. However, to the one, man or woman, who does not work, doesn't try to earn anything from God, but just trusts God who justifies the ungodly. Who does God justify? Who does God accept? The ungodly. Do you get it? I know it's counterintuitive. Who God saves are ungodly people who have put their trust in Jesus. How many are ungodly here, but you put your trust in Jesus? Lift your hand. So don't try to earn it. Just don't even work at it. He just believed. Abraham believed. He had no law to try to obey. Moses got the law much later. David says the same thing of the blessedness is Psalm 32. When he speaks of the blessedness of the one to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. God says you're righteous. Not because you acted righteous. Because I proclaim you righteous because you trusted in me. Oh, that should make everyone want to jump around the building. Run around. Then they quote from Psalm 32. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. David was way before his time. David was way before the new covenant came. David was already peering into the new covenant. While the law of Moses held everybody in captivity, David was seeing something. Wait a minute. If you trust God, he so loves us, he won't count the wrong things you did. It's not that you didn't do them. He just won't count them against you because you've trusted in him. Is it not the sweetest thing you ever heard in your life? This is the only way you find peace. This is the only way you rest. You rest in God's love for you and you just trust him. You don't try to work at it to get earning. Listen, I did that so much. Oh, no, I was always trying to earn it. One summer when I was young, they had some special meetings at the church, and my mother told me I was maybe 9 or 10, and I went to the altar. I got saved like 11 weeks in a row. (laughs) I did. Why? Because I made promises. Now I'm going to obey. But since I didn't obey that week, I figured, well, I'm lost again. Here I go again. Some of you might be on that on that Ferris wheel, right? Blessed is the one who sinned the Lord will never count against them. Now, we jump ahead, speaking on the same theme. Therefore, the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring. Not only to those who are of the law, Jews, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. Therefore... Making a conclusion. The promise comes by faith so that it may be by grace. Grace is God doing for us what we don't deserve and what we can't do for ourselves. And God says the only people who will be saved are people saved by grace. Who trust in my love and my mercy that I won't count their sins against them. And I'll give them something they don't deserve. Nobody can be saved unless they understand that. God gives gifts to people who don't deserve it. And you receive the gift and you love him and treasure him. And that's how you obey him because you love him for what he's already done. You don't obey him in order to get saved. 
Not only to those who are of the law, who are trying to earn it, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. He's the father of us all. So what made Abraham special and what makes him your father, my father, whether you're black, white, Latino, Swedish, Polish, whatever you might be. Abraham is the father of all the people who belong to God because he had faith. Abraham brings us all together because all the people in heaven will be there because they trusted God. Not because they were 90% obedient, 50%, 92%. The thief on the cross, he's going to be in heaven. Tell me how he got there. What did he do? Tell me what good works he had. He just said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He was a thief. He's being crucified. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me. He saw that so hard for us. Some of us has grown up in homes, families, legalistic, islands in the Caribbean or wherever you are. It's all law, 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 law. We can't even get free to believe in God's grace. And we're so quick to want to whack someone who disobeys when God didn't whack you when you disobeyed. How many are happy that he saves us by grace? Let me see your hand. He saves us by grace. When people are quick to judge others and condemn them, that means they're not getting it. Who are you to, or me to condemn anyone when God didn't condemn us? So, he's the father of us all. Abraham is not the father of the Jewish people. There are Jews who are not Jews. Millions of them. Why? They don't have the faith of Abraham. There are Gentiles and people in Africa who are the, Abraham is their father. Why? Not because they got circumcised. Circumcision doesn't mean anything to God. Faith means everything to God. God wants you and I to trust him. As it's written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God, in whom he believed. The God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Oh, now, so Abraham believed God. And it was counted to him for righteousness. It was credited to his account. You are accepted by God. Why? What did he do? He trusted God. He believed God's promise. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ in our day and you shall be saved. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth, not doeth, believeth. Believing has to come before doing. This God who he believed in gives life to the dead. So one of the characteristics of God that Paul's bringing out is God takes things that are hopeless. In this case, he's referring to Abraham's promise, which we'll see. You're going to be the father of many nations. The only trouble was he was an old man with no children. And his wife was barren and she was old. But God was trying to get him to, do you believe me, Abraham? Don't go by what you see, because I can make dead things alive. As in her womb and Abraham at that age. And I call into existence things that don't even exist. I don't need anything to work with. I just speak and it happens. So this was, listen now as I close. Listen, this is the God that Abraham was dealing with. The true God. And he was asking him to trust him. But I want you to notice what the promise was where Abraham got accepted. Abraham didn't get a promise, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be saved. Get baptized. That era had not come in yet. 
That's the gospel era that we lived in. So what was the promise that Abraham believed that gained acceptance with God because he believed? Abraham believed God and it was counted or credited to him as righteousness, acceptance with God. What was the promise? The promise was you will be the father of many nations. And he's a hundred and he doesn't even have one child. And his wife is not good for childbearing. And God just gives him this naked promise. Will you believe me? This is what makes Abraham so great in the Bible. And for all of us who are Christians, he's the father of us. The Bible says don't call anyone father, but we're allowed to call Abraham father. Because you don't call a priest or a, a minister a father. But we can call Abraham in that spiritual sense father. He's the father of everyone who believes. He had the thing that God treasures more than anything. You know what God wants from all of us tonight? He wants faith. He wants us to trust him. Oh, how I, no one told me that early on. I was struggling to do when God was trying to get me to believe. So... Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. So get this. Against all hope. He looked at himself, a hundred. He looked at his wife, barren and 90. But he says, wait a minute. God said it. I'm going to be the father, not of a child, of nations. No way. Oh, but God can make anything happen. God calls into being things that don't exist. God can make the dead alive. Her womb, me, we can become alive. God said it. Would he lie to me? No, he can't lie to me. That was the promise he had. And against all hope, when everything around him, every time he saw his wife and he's waiting for this promise to be fulfilled, it came to him probably when he was about 75. Now he's 80, no baby, 85, 90. He does that crazy thing with the slave woman. But yet he fights and he says, no, I'm going to believe. I believe you, Lord. Against all hope, he hoped. Tonight, you, what you're facing, against all hope, it seems like it can't happen. God says, no, believe and hope. Because you're hoping in me and I can do anything. So listen, against all hope, he believes, so shall your offspring be. And finally... Without weakening in his faith. Notice, faith can gain strength. Faith can get weak. And if you're weak and getting weak in your faith, I'm here to encourage you and give you a boost. And say, come on, let's believe God. Just because it hasn't happened? No, but Pastor Simba, it is hopeless. Don't say that. Abraham and Sarah were hopeless. But look what God did. He's the father of many nations through his children. Not just a nation, many nations. In fact, he's the father of everyone who believes. In Africa, he's the father of Christians. He faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. That's what he looked at and saw. Come on, that's for us tonight. Don't go by what you see. Don't quit because it doesn't look promising. We're dealing with God. And maybe he's given you a personal promise for yourself, your family, or whatever, and it looks like no way. In fact, when you first got that promise or it came from scripture, it looked better than it looks now. And God is watching to see, will you be like Abraham and believe and hope against all hope? Believe though there's no way. The thing is muerte. And God says, no, I can make it alive. 
There's nothing there to work with. And God says, I don't need anything to work with. I'm God. Come on, let's put our hands together. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God before any baby was born. His faith got strengthened, and you know what helped strengthen it? He gave glory to God before anything even happened. All he had was the promise, but his faith was so strong that he said, praise God. I'm going to praise God. Where's your baby? Don't worry about that. God will take care of that. I'm praising him. What he promised will come to pass. God is not a man that he should lie. And he gave glory to God. That's what some of you, as I close, need to do tonight that are battling in the valley of the shadow of doubt and faith, fear and belief. You need to give glory to God for the thing that you don't even see. That's what Abraham did. He didn't wait till the baby was born and then have a a revival service and run around with a tambourine. He started to give glory to God because his faith said, no, God can't fail. Oh, praise God. Don't you want to live with that faith? Don't you want to get it strengthened? Don't we need to praise God? And he gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. That's the one who's our spiritual father. He believed God when the thing was hopeless. Why do you think he was called the friend of God? Why do you think that his name is revered, as it were, in Old and New Testament? Paul's writing about him in the New Testament, thousands of years after he lived. Oh, Abraham believed God. What did he believe God? Like God says, tomorrow I'm going to let you wake up and I'll provide for you. Well, thank you, God. I want to have faith for that. But that's not the biggest thing because God's, how many have been, God's been faithful in waking you up a lot of mornings and provided. How many have had God be good to you, just good to you, right? But it's in the realm of, yes, you do it again. Thank you, Lord. And then God says, no, here's another promise I have for you. And he gives you some promise. I can tell you, I don't want to go personal references. So many times in my life, backed against the wall and God says, will you trust me? I know God, I know, but there's no way this can happen. I said, I will do it. Will you trust me? And then I was led to a place where I began to praise God before anything happened. Because I want to encourage you. I'll tell you, I think some of the most precious praise I ever gave God. Decades ago, my oldest girl was away from God. The more I prayed, the worse she got. And tried everything, tried manipulation, nothing And one Saturday night in Queens, where we lived, on Gasco Road, I was praying about what I was going to preach, but I couldn't. I hardly could keep my mind off of my daughter. That's my daughter, my oldest girl. And she was in a whole lot of trouble, just out there. And I was praying, pouring out my heart, crying like a baby. And I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me and say, do you believe I'm going to do this? Because I'm, I'm going to do it. Do you believe it? Yes, Lord, I do believe it. And when I do it, will you tell people whenever I prompt you what I did for you? Yes, Lord. You trust me that I'm going to do this, no matter how bad and dark it looks. Yes. Then stand up and praise me. What? She hasn't come back yet. 
when she comes back, I'll praise you. No, praise me now. Praise me by faith. And as God is listening to me, I pushed myself out of that chair. And I stood up with tears just running out of my eyes. And I lifted my hands all alone, 2 o'clock in the morning or whatever. And I said, I praise you, God. I praise you. You're going to bring my daughter back. I praise you. I thank you. You have all power. This is not too hard for you. Months later, God turned it all around and brought her back. But I think back to that night. God was saying to me, if you really have that faith, praise me before it happens. If you're here tonight and you got something that you're holding on to, like a promise from God, you're not going to let go of that thing. Come on, you're not going to let go. You're going to trust God. Maybe something, a promise from the Bible, but maybe some special application of that word to your situation where God, you believe, has promised you something, but you don't see, not only has it not happened, you don't even see how it can happen. Oh, that's perfect for God. That's Abraham territory. That's barren wife, barren husband. You'll be the father of nations. And against all hope, Abraham said, yes, I will. And I'm going to worship you for what you're going to do for me. If you're here tonight, you want to just worship God by faith for the thing that hasn't happened yet. Get out of your seat and come forward. Come on. Anybody here? You're holding on to God. Well, I don't know what it might be about. Lord, we lift up our brothers from Sweden to you, Pastor Jacob and his associates. They're our brothers. We're all doing the same work, work for you, Jesus. No denominations, no divisions, one brotherhood, one family, one body. There's only one body. There's only one church, your church. Bless them in Sweden. Lord, from what I know, that's not an easy mission feel right now. Secularism, turning away from the faith, and yet all kinds of wonderful Christians there, Lord. Grant Pastor Jacob and his associates, the pastor who does the youth work, grant them new, fresh wind, fresh fire, Lord, on their ministry, on their churches. Every sermon, let it come as an oracle of God, Supply every need they have, manpower, money, talent, but most of all, more of the Holy Spirit, more of the Holy Spirit, more of the Holy Spirit for the Brooklyn Tabernacle, more of the Holy Spirit in Sweden, more, 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 Masi mas, Senor. Give us more. Get us home safely. Bless this collection that we're taking, let the money go quickly, right to where it's needed in the Middle East. Let it bring relief, like quickly, Lord. Thank you that we're brothers and sisters. Dismiss us from one another, but never from your presence. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Give someone a hug. Give someone a handshake before you leave. Come on, put the lights up. Give someone a good hug.